everybody. Well, I hope you had a good 4th of July. I hope you were able to enjoy yourselves with all that's going on around us. It made it hard to celebrate, or not as easy to celebrate anyway. But we celebrated our independence. And if I've been kind of thinking about that. You know, our independence from a king. When this country started, we were ruled by a king. And our forefathers that were here, they, because they were under the king's rule, part of what they couldn't do was worship the way they wanted. You know, when the king is in power, you have to worship his God. Usually, he forced the nation to worship the God of his choosing. And a lot of times, it was himself. You know, they were to worship the king. But anyway, our forefathers broke away from that. They wanted to worship the true and living God. They wanted to worship the God of the Bible. They wanted to be, able, be free to worship the God of their choosing, which at that time was the true and living God that stands behind his word, the word of God. But anyway, it was religious freedom they were seeking mostly. And so they broke away from the king and it was a big fight, it was a battle. They had to win their independence and it was a war. They sent troops over and they had to fight against them and it was a war and they won the war. And after they won, they had to set up a government here. So they sat down and anyway adopted the constitution that we have today and the, then the Bill of Rights. But they used the word of God as their guiding principle when they did all of this. And for the most part, they did a great job. You know, there's definitely bumps along the road and had to figure some things out. But they did a great job and it was founded upon the word of God. And they always wanted good Christian leaders in the government. You know, that was their intention. They wanted good, solid Christian leaders to be government officials. And they would govern on the Constitution and their Christian principles from the word of God. And they figured those good moral people, Christians, would keep the government on track. And they did for a long time, for the most part. But then they get, start getting people in there that aren't Christians, that don't believe in Jesus. And then things start getting askew. But anyway, quite a few years has gone by. And the last know how long it's been 30 40 years maybe longer they've been getting away from the Word of God and they've taken God out of the government they've taken God out of any government organizations they pushed him out of the schools 
They pushed him out of the government. And things have been turning upside down. You know, they had that clause in the Bill of Rights. I guess that's where it is. I'm not real great on my history, but the separation of church and state. That was meant to keep the government out of the church so that we could worship the true and living God. It was so that the government wouldn't get in control of our worship like they did back in the king's time. You know, they had, the king was able to say, you're going to worship the God of my choice, which most of the time, like I said, was him. That was the original intention for that separation of church and state. Well, they've turned that completely around and said there can be no church in the government or any government agencies, so they pushed God out of, tried to push God out of everything. And that was opposite of the original intention. And us as believers, us as Christians, we, for the most part, kind of let it happen. We were just too busy to get involved. We didn't want to be in the fight. You know, we just, we let it happen. And now this movement is trying to get the government to control everything. They want government in charge of our health care and our they just want government to take care of us. Kind of like it was back when the king. The king took care of the people if he was a good king. If he was a bad king, he suppressed the people and got rich off of them. Well, that's kind of what the movement that's happening today. You know, if we had good moral people, some of this would probably work. But guess what? People are not good. Our hearts are desperately wicked. The Bible says our hearts are desperately wicked and no one can know them. Only God knows how bad we can really be. We don't even know how bad we can really be. As we start moving in that direction, we just get worse and worse and worse. And it's just crazy what happens. That's why we need Jesus. That's why we need Jesus. We need Jesus to change us and to keep our hearts in the right direction. We need to believe in the word of God and what it says and use that as a guiding principle. And we, when we accept Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit that comes to live within us and to keep us on track, to make us want to do the right things. You know, and I've always believed that we shouldn't be political from the pulpit. I've always believed that. You know, and I'm starting to kind of rethink that a little bit. <laughs> you know? And I don't think we should be preaching Democrats or Republicans from the pulpit, but we should be a little political. You know, and maybe not completely from the pulpit, but I think as a church, as believers, we need to become a little bit political. We need to be part of the political system and keep it moving in the right direction. If, and I do believe if we don't, if we, the church, doesn't start waking up and resist some of what's happening in this world today, it's, it's just unbelievable. It just makes me cringe. But if we don't start waking up and resisting some of this, we might just be marched off to camps like Tad was talking about. 
like the Jewish people were, marched off to camp and exter tried to exterminate them. I think if we just keep quiet and don't start waking up and standing up, I don't think we're too far from that happening. I don't think that's out of the realm of things. But anyway, let's pray and then we'll get into this text that I've chosen. Galatians chapter 5 is where I'm going to go. But let's bow our heads and pray. Father, I do thank you. I thank you for being in control and on the throne. Lord, we live in this crazy world and it, I just don't even know how to navigate it anymore. And Lord, but you're there leading us and guiding us. Help us to rely upon you. And Lord, as we dig into your word today, just open our hearts. Wake us up. Help us to see what we have. And help us to hold on to that and proclaim that. And sometimes even proclaim it loudly. Lord, bless us through your word this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So Galatians chapter 5, and I have a subtitle in mine, it's called Freedom in Christ, and I just kind of felt like that was a good place to go right after our 4th of July celebration, or what little celebration we had. But Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. This verse is easily taken out of, out and used for many things. You know, we don't even have to take it out of context. We can just take this verse out of the Bible and we can use it for a lot of things. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. You know, this is a good verse to put up for the basis of our Constitution. And I don't know if it's a verse that they stood on when they were building our government, but it could be. You know, we came out of slavery to the king, to being free to worship the true and living God, and to not have to worship who the king said we had to worship. But if, as we go on in this text, if you read further ahead, Paul talks about circumcision. And it's because in that day, somebody had come into the church and said, you have to be circumcised to be a Christian. And anyway, and that came from back in Judaism, God made a covenant with Abram. In Genesis chapter 17 and I want to read through that Genesis chapter 17 verses 1 through 14 I want to read to you it says when Abram was 99 years old the Lord appeared to him and said I am the God Almighty walk before me and be blameless I will confirm my covenant between me and you and I will greatly increase your numbers Abram fell face down and God said to him as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. 
I will make nations of you. The kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan, where you are now an alien, I will give you and as ever as an everlasting possession to you and to your descendants after you, and I will be their God. Then God said to Abraham, As for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you, for the generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision, that it will be a sign of the covenant between me and you. It was there for a sign. For the generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised, including those born in your household or, or, bought, with money from, or bought with money from a foreign those who are not of your offspring, whether born of your household or bought with your money, they must be circumcised. My covenant in your flesh is to be an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. But see, that was a covenant that God made with Abraham. It was a sign for him to, every time he went to the bathroom, he could see that he was different from all the other people. And that was a sign. Many times a day, he would see that he was different. He was set apart. He was God's chosen people. And the Jewish nation was born from Abraham. And they were all to be circumcised. And that was for them to see they were different. But then when Jesus came, things were different. You know, it's still good for us, as males, it's still good for us because it's a hygiene thing. But it wasn't, anyway, it was, it was the Jewish, some Jewish people coming back into the church saying, if this isn't done, you cannot be one of God's people. You can't be a follower of Christ. And Paul goes on to dispute that in these coming verses. And so now you know where that came from. And I'm going to move on to this. And then we'll see what Paul has to say about it, what God has to say about it. Let me turn back to my right spot here. And so now I'm going to read 1 through 6. It says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, then. Do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery mark my words i paul tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised christ will be of no value to it all again i declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law you who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from christ you have fallen away from grace but by faith we eagerly await through the spirit of righteousness for which we have hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. See, we are saved by grace through faith, 
in Jesus, in who he is and what he did for us, not by anything we do, only by what he did for us. So I want to give you kind of an example here. You know, that was somebody coming into the church saying, you have to obey this law to be right with God. You have to do this or you can't be a Christian. And Paul says that's not true. But anyway, here's something we could say. We could say if you don't go to church every Sunday, you can't really be a Christian. You know, church is good for us. We should be here. But if we go to so far as to saying that's a law, you have to go to church on Sunday if you're really going to be a Christian, then we could say, well, wait a minute. What about Bible study on Thursday night? If you don't go to church and Bible study, you can't really be a Christian. Isn't that kind of silly? We could go, and, or we could take it a little farther and say, okay. Now, if you don't go to church on Sunday and you don't go to Bible study on Thursday night, well, we have prayer meetings on Tuesday, if you, now if you don't go to church, if you don't come to church and do the prayer meetings on Tuesday evenings, you can't really be saved. Well, wait a minute. What about men's breakfast on Saturday mornings? Well, if you don't do all of those and men's breakfast on Saturday, see how that goes? If you don't obey all the law, if you're going to obey one law and say this is what you have to do, then you've got to obey them all. Then it isn't Jesus anymore. It's you. You have to keep obeying all these laws. And there's no end to the laws we can just keep throwing out there. There's no end. Verse 1 there says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It's for freedom that Christ set us free. Because of Jesus, we can be free. We're free from all those rules and regulations. There's a lot of them that are very good for us. We should obey them as much as we can. But we don't have to. We choose to. Verse 6b there says, The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Our faith in Jesus. And it expresses itself through our love for Jesus. We love Jesus. And as we move on to verse 7 through 12, it says, You are running a good race. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? What kind of person does not come from the one who calls you? That kind of person does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion will, be, will pay the penalty whoever he may be. Brothers, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. When this says a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough, it's referring to the rules we place on each other. Once we start putting rules on there, there's just no end to it. You know, we just keep 
can keep coming up with more and more rules. And it says there in the second half of verse 11, it says, in that, let me find where I'm, in that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. If we're going to put rules on and we have to follow these rules, then the cross has no meaning anymore. Then it becomes us. If we can follow enough rules to be saved, then it's us. The cross has been abolished. But that's not the case. There's no way we can obey all the rules. There's no way. That's why they were looking for a savior. And when Jesus came, he became our savior. He's the only one who followed all those rules. He fulfilled all the law. That's what the rules were, the law of God. We couldn't do it. Man tried for thousands of years. There's no way they could obey it. They knew they were guilty of the law. They needed a savior. And Jesus, he fulfilled all the law. He, didn't, he obeyed all the law. He didn't break any of those law requirements. He obeyed them all. He fulfilled them. He said, I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And he did. That's why he's the Savior. And the only way he could do it was because he was God in the flesh. No man could do it. Only God could do it. So we, those rules don't necessarily apply to us. They're good for us. They don't apply to us. They're there. He didn't abolish them. They're there, and they're good for us. We should obey them. But we're going to break a lot of those rules, break a lot of those laws. But guess what? Jesus paid the penalty. He paid the penalty for us. We're saved, if we're saved by the rules, it's not the cross anymore. It is us following the rules and being good enough, and not Jesus paying the penalty for our sin. But Jesus did pay the penalty for our sin. And as we move on to verses 13 through 15, it says, You, my brothers, were called to be free. Do not use your freedom to indulge in a sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in, one, in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, Watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. See, we were called to be free. And the first part of this chapter is talking about... It's talking about our religious freedom. The freedom from the law, from the requirements of the law. Jesus fulfilled the law. We're set apart from the law. So the first part of that is to be free. First, it's, it's, it's to be free, free from the law. And it's not talking about our salvation. It's talking about getting religious or legalistic, our religious freedom. And now this second half of this chapter, and I'm not going to go on any farther, but the second half of this chapter, it's talking about our personal freedom. And let me read those verses again. You, my brothers, were called to be free, but not to use your freedom to indulge in the sinful nature. 
See, we don't use our freedom to indulge in the sinful nature. You know, we don't have to obey those rules, but that doesn't give us, it's talked somewhere else, a license to sin because those rules are good for us. The entire law is summed up in a single command, love your neighbor as yourself. See, it's talk, it goes on to talk about our personal freedom and not salvation. But, and it doesn't say we can do anything we choose. So how can you lose your freedom by doing anything we choose? Well, this text goes on to explain some of them. And I just want to bring a couple of them up. You know, here's one that people bring up all the time. It's about alcohol. You know, you shouldn't drink. There's a lot of people who say you shouldn't drink. The Bible says, it doesn't say don't drink. It says don't drink too much. It says don't get drunk. Because when we get drunk, we get belligerent. We, get, we start doing things we shouldn't do. But it doesn't say don't drink. It says don't drink too much. And alcohol can easily get a hold of us and take control of our lives. You know, we can become alcoholics, and we got to be careful. We don't want to become alcoholics. We don't want to become a slave to alcohol, and that's what alcoholism is. They become enslaved to it, and it'll take control of our lives, and it'll destroy our families, and it'll sometimes our jobs, and it'll, it just can destroy our lives. So we need to be careful, and pleasure is another one. And pleasure comes in many forms. It come in, pleasure can come in the form of sex, or vacations, or recreation, or exercise. People get pleasure from a lot of things. And it's not bad in and in, in of itself. I don't know why that's hard for me to say. But pleasure isn't necessarily bad but we can let it take control of our lives. We can become enslaved to it, and it can draw us away from the Word of God. It can draw us away from Jesus. And we, I've seen it a lot of times. You know, we can become a slave to it. But because of our freedom in Christ, our freedom in Jesus, we have the choice. We have the choice to be to choose what we will be a slave to. Did you hear that? We have a choice of what we can be enslaved to. I want to read you a few verses from Romans. Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, verse 16 says, Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. See, we can be a slave to sin, or we can be a slave to obedience. And then I want to read you verse 19 through 23. It says, I put this in human terms. Because you are weak in your natural selves, 
just as you used to offer the parts of your body in slavery to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer them in slavery to righteousness, leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the benefits you reap to is holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, we once were slaves to sin before Jesus. But now in Jesus, we have the choice to choose what we're going to be enslaved to. So this here says be a slave to righteousness. Be a slave to holiness. See, we have the choice now. So I say, choose wisely. And I feel like lately, the last few months, we've become enslaved to this virus that's going around the world. We've become enslaved to this virus. And I want to leave you with some hope and a little freedom in your spirit, freedom in your soul. I believe the government and the news media have instilled so much fear in us that they've caused us to become enslaved to our fear. And I want to leave you with some good news and some hope. Guess what? Jesus is in control. And Jesus is on the throne. No matter what's going on in this crazy world we live in, Jesus is still on the throne. He knows us completely. Jesus knows you completely. He knows the number of hairs on your head. And our days were numbered before God set the foundations of this earth. Before God created this earth, he knew us. And he numbered our days. The Bible says that. Our days are numbered. He formed us in our mother's womb. And we can't alter the days of our lives because God has already set them in place. We can't alter the number of days we have. No matter what we do, we are not going to alter the number of days we have. I believe we can change, we can't change the number of our days, but we can change the quality of our days. We have that that we can do. We can change the quality of our days, but not the number of our days. So if we take care of ourselves, maybe our days will be better, especially toward the end when we get older. But we're not going to change the number of our days. And that means we will not die one breath before the will of God. We're not going to die one breath before the will of God. We can't change that. That's been set in place since before the foundations of the earth. That's what the Bible says. 
So let's choose freedom and not fear. Let's not be so fearful of this virus that it takes control of our lives. Let's choose freedom, freedom in Jesus. God has us in his hand. God has us in the palm of his hand. No matter how much we squirm and thrash around in fear, God is never, never, never going to let us go. So I say, fear not. And just bask, knowing that God has got us in the palm of his hand. And he's never going to let us go. And we're not going to breathe any more breaths than God has chosen for us, whether we get the virus or not. Our breaths, our days are numbered. So I say live in faith, not in fear. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you so much for holding us in the palm of your hand. Lord, we thank you for, Jesus, we thank you for dying on the cross in our place. We thank you for our freedom to choose let us choose wisely and choose faith and not fear. Let us not be overcome by the fears that come up in this world. Let us just put our trust and our love in you. Lord, bless us and help us through this world, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.